Even so, Lord, come quickly. I've got heaven on my mind. It's like last year. I looked around and I said, the world that I'm living in is not the world I grew up in. I feel like I'm in Gotham. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess I've been watching too much Star Wars during <laughs> the pandemic that I looked around and I'm like, man, I live in a galaxy far, far away. It's like we have our own Darth Hideous or Sidious. Darth Sidious. Of course, he is hideous. That is Joe Biden. <laughs> and we have our own Darth Maul. That's, of course, Kamala Harris. <laughs> but I, I, I'm teasing. But in all reality, I'm looking at the world that we live in through the lens of what I read and see in the news, what I hear people talking about, what what others are preaching about, teaching about, what, what people are writing about. And then, of course, what I see in the Bible and what I feel the Holy Ghost is saying to me. And what I feel and am seeing, I believe in the deep state, the shadow government, the, the plan of the spirit of Antichrist to completely control and unite this world around one individual, uh, the beast, the man of sin, the man who's after the direct workings of Satan. And I, I just see a major undercurrent of that happening right here, right now. And it's just like uh, in the galaxy far, far away, Darth Sidious uh, mustered up the separatist movement to rebel against the Republic. Well, Darth Sidious was uh, Senator Palpatine representing the Republic and uh, completely fooled the entire empire, completely fooled the Jedi Council. And it, it was all about Darth Sidious uh, to take over and using a great war to completely eliminate the Republic and, and rise up a new galactic empire. And, and that's what's going on right now. Chaos is setting the stage for a dictator to arise. The man of sin, the Antichrist, the beast, all of that. And, and the things that we're all seeing in our lifetime, Jesus said they would happen. I know some people said, why didn't God warn us about COVID-19? Why, why didn't he speak to us about it? Well, he did in the Bible. Check it out. Bible prophecy. Jesus said that in the last days, pestilence would arise. And, and that's what COVID-19, it is pestilence. And, and COVID-19, it, it, it's spiking again, at, le at least here in the Midwest, right? It, it is. I know in a lot of other cities it, it, it is. But here in Kansas City, there's been a big spike um, here in the latter part of this summer of 2021. I remember a year ago, this time on a Tuesday morning, I'd been hearing through the week. We actually shut down uh, a weekend in September last year because we had uh, reports of about 60 to 70 COVID cases in our church. And I thought, well, I, I feel fine. I'm going to be okay. Well, that Tuesday, last year, Tuesday in September, it was, it was September 13th. The exact date was September 13th, 2021. I woke up at 3 a.m. and I had a horrible nightmare. And in this dream, I was in a, it looked like a large, just unfinished basement deep within the heart of the earth. Like I felt like I was miles down into the earth in this big basement. 
and all around me were terminally ill Chinese people. And I just walked through the crowd, observing them. None of them knew I was there. And I just walked and observed and just prayed to myself, asking God for help, asking God for strength, asking God for protection, all of those things. And I tried to, I tried to find a way out and I couldn't. I felt stuck. And I woke up at 3 a.m. with a raging fever, a raging headache, all of the symptoms of COVID-19. And uh, I, I never went and got tested. I, I, knew, <laughs> I knew it, was, it was, would be a waste of time. I just knew I had COVID-19. After a dream like that, all of the symptoms, sure enough, I knew I had it. A few days went by. I was eating this uh, delicious, I, th- I think it's called tater tot casserole. Uh, my, my sister Marissa and, and brother-in-law Dan made it for us. And I was eating it and enjoying it. Delicious, delicious dish. And in the middle of it, I had, I had my son on my lap and I leaned down and I, I just loved to smell my children's hair after a, after a bath. I just, just those little babies, they smell so good, you know. And I leaned down to smell my son's hair and I couldn't smell his hair. And I thought, I'm, I'm losing my smell. And while I was eating that delicious casserole, I thought, I'm probably going to lose my taste. This is the last time I'm going to taste food as it should be. And yeah, that next morning for breakfast, I couldn't taste or smell anything. Couldn't taste or smell the eggs, the bacon, the gravy, nothing. Coffee, couldn't taste it. It was miserable. And you know, a year later, my smell and taste has not returned 100%. It's so strange. A lot of things that should smell fresh smell rotten. Yeah, like uh, Coke. I used to love Coke. Uh, this I'm mentioning Coke, not not sponsored in any way by Coke, but I used to love Coke. But now I can't drink it nowadays. After I take a sip, the the aftertaste of Coke tastes like hairspray. It's disgusting. I used to love onions. Used to love onions on, on, on a on a burger and, and entrees, whatever. Onions now, all onions, even fresh onions, taste rotten to me. It's really weird. There's a lot of things. A lot of people's uh, cologne and perfume do not smell like cologne and perfume. A lot of them smell like diesel fuel. I, I was thinking, I was sitting there in church one time, and uh, or, or in church talking to people, and I'm thinking, why do I smell gasoline? Like I would I'd smell it here, I'd smell it there, I'd smell it like... Uh, in the grocery store, I went to a couple church conferences, and I'm like, what are these phantom diesel fuel smells? What is this? I figured out it was some, some colognes and perfumes. They should smell good, but they smell uh, filthy to me. A year later, and I still have that. And uh, I'm angry about it. Very, very frustrating. I've, I've been asking God to restore my, my smell and my taste, and he's helping me with that. COVID-19 shook me. COVID-19 in the beginning of it, I mean, it just rocked my world. And it rocked all of our worlds. Uh, so many of us, it, you know, we, we didn't know what to do with it. it. As a lot of us still don't know what to do with it, what to think about it. You know, we're just, <laughs> it, you know, if, if you can get up and, and go to work, get paid to do something of value, come home, 
and have some family that love you and then you can get a good night's sleep, you're doing great in this world today. Uh, you're doing even better if you're saved and, ha- and have a church to belong to. That's, that's really where the true joy and fulfillment comes from. But a lot of people in this world ran to drugs, <laughs> ran to uh, crazy sinful lifestyles. And I just, I thank God for the church that has just remained steadfast and remained a pillar during all of this. And many of us, you know, we locked our doors during that lockdown and we turned on our cell phones and started preaching to the world uh, through live streaming. A lot of us went to a new technology uh, level in our churches and it, and it pushed us to do that. And it really, uh, it really sharpened up a lot of preachers. I've noticed that it seems like people are even preaching better sense of COVID-19 and because of all the social distancing and stuff, we had to learn how to preach without any hype. We had to learn to present the word of God without any, uh, you know, revving up people's emotions and things. We had to quit that. And it became a lot of really foundational Bible teaching and the workings of the Holy Spirit without a lot of the interaction of the church. And it strengthened us. But I tell you what, just not so much churches really anymore. And from the looks of it, a lot of churches still, they're just not back to, you know, pre COVID numbers. A lot of our churches are still, you know, have quite a bit of empty space in the buildings, but a lot of online presence. And that's just going to be the way it is probably for maybe another year or two. I don't know how long this will carry out, but I just see a lot of people very concerned again. It's like the same um, anxieties, that happened in in uh, March, April, and May of 2021 are back now in the late summer and early fall of 2022. And I was scrolling through social media and on uh, Instagram, and I came across a post by her username is it's spelled three R I T T N Y. I guess that's Brittany, kind of a cool way to spell Brittany. And she's one of our listeners, and she posted saying. When I was pregnant, COVID was going around rapidly. I was also going through a divorce and living at my church with a few others. A lot of people from church became ill with COVID, in and out of the hospital and bedridden. I became worried because there was no studies on how this would affect a pregnant mother and growing baby. Mm. So I did what any child of God should do. I cast my cares and worries upon the Lord. I cried and I prayed and I gave it to God. Sure enough, the Lord gave me a dream. And in my dream, I was sitting on a doctor's table when this gray-haired, beautiful old doctor walked in and said to me, peacefully, do not be afraid. You have a mild case of COVID, but you and the baby will be okay. Sure enough, we ended up getting COVID. But because I didn't live in fear, I casted my worries upon the Lord and he saw me through and he did what his word said is true. He prepared and protected the child and I. Man. I felt the Holy Ghost when I first read that and I I, I felt it now. And I'll tell you why. It's because Brittany ran to God. God answered and she is publicly giving glory to God. We give glory to when, when glory is given to God by anybody. I mean, you'll feel it. It, 
it excites and entertains the Holy Ghost. That's what this is about. If a follower on Instagram, uh, Brittany has a cool Instagram. It's real. It's she does it how Instagram is supposed to be: real modern, trendy, real proud mom. Uh, she's got a good video on there of her testimony. Real Pentecostal girl. But I mean, this post just it just spoke to me. It's just been a while since I've seen somebody post like something supernatural. Uh, God speaking to them in a supernatural way to tell them, do not fear. That is a angelic word. I tell you, I tell you, Brittany, that was an angel that appeared to you in a dream. That's exactly what that was. An angel appeared to you in a dream. This dream encouraged me because, <laughs> because my dreams during COVID, I had nothing like this happen. Not in my dreams. I, I, I had another angelic experience, but it wasn't for me to, <laughs> to feel comforted. It was actually, I, and I've talked about it here on this podcast, in, in, the, in the wake of COVID-19, I thought this is the end of the world. Uh, my, ch- my children, th- th- this is the end time generation, what I heard growing up. This, this is it. My kids are going to never have to, my kids are going to have to always be afraid to breathe fresh air. They're going to have to be afraid to touch doorknobs. Th- this is it permanently. Masks locked in the house. Uh, people are going to start starving to death. I thought this is it. And I was awakened the next morning by an angel of the Lord. He said, in 60 days, the church shall regather. And sure enough, 60 days passed. And that Sunday, we all regathered. Uh, the word of the Lord came to me and spoke other things. So I had that, but my dreams were not that pleasant. Yeah, that first night, I couldn't get out of the building. The second night, I had a dream. And uh, I, I was strapped to a uh, operating table. And Chinese scientists were trying to cut me open, but they couldn't. I had horrible dreams like that. Horrible dreams of these uh, weird scientists. And I don't speak Chinese, but I know enough words that what uh, Mandarin sounds like. That's what they were speaking. And all the dreams occurred in like this dungeon, this lab. And there was hundreds of terminally ill people all around me. And I was never harmed. Never harmed, but it was like I was there all alone with them. I was never harmed, but I had to witness their suffering. And and I would always have this dream about 3, 3.30 in the morning. I, w- I would wake up and just be uh, distraught, waking up with raging fever, raging headache, body aches, fatigue, and having these nightmares. And I, I finally, after about uh, five, six, seven days of this, I inquired of the Lord and I said, God, why are these dreams happening to me every night? You know, I get it. I dream, however my subconscious is, it comes out of my dreams. Like if I'm having dreams where I am just um, uh, lonely, I'm having dreams where I'm like walking on a road all alone. I I realize I'm having a, I'm having a difficult time because I'm isolating myself. And I, I realize I need to call my friends. I need to start opening up and talking to my wife. I need to talk to my dad. You know, I need to spend more time talking to the Lord about what I'm feeling. Sometimes I'll have, uh, you know, dreams where it's like uh, people <laughs> are trampling me and I, I, I realize I'm letting people get the best of me. You know, I, I just I have dreams where it, it like is a reflection of my subconscious, the current state of where I'm at. But then I have spiritual dreams like messages from God in unusual ways, in unusual matters. It's like parables. You know, you, the, everything requires an interpretation. I inquired of the Lord, God, why am I always in a dungeon? I can't get out. 
I'm trying to be operated on, but they, they can't, they can't control me. And I'll just tell you this. The Lord said that virus is a living thing and I'm letting you see what it has seen and it's not going to take you down. Mm. Man. This virus, COVID-19, originated out of China. I, I know that, I know. there's just a lot of uh, hearsay ideas about this, but I'm telling you what I saw. It came out of a lab in China, and it was designed to harm people. It is... Uh, it's terrorism. It sure is. It is a virus, a manufactured virus to bring death and destruction in the earth. It's pestilence. It's what it's designed to do. I saw it and I felt it. And just even talking, I just feel so eerie and just creepy thinking about this. But we don't need to fear. God is saying during this time, run to me. Don't run to the edge of the world. Don't run. To, to, it's time for us to pray. I know we did in the beginning of this, but I feel like as a whole, as a church, we're slacking in our prayers again. It's like a lot of us got real comfortable all over again. It's like we took our ease all over again and everything is fine. Oh, no, God is saying, don't do that. It's not over yet. This pestilence, the commotion that we're in, the chaos that we're in. God is saying for us to pray and to trust him. So where are we at right now? In the spirit, in the world, where are we at? What is happening? When people ask me that, I interpret that as, what do you mean? Uh, what You're asking, where are we at in Bible prophecy? And I've been doing a lot of digging in Bible prophecy. I, do the, I, I always am. I'm always thinking about it, but I really go deep in it this time of year. And it's because I, th- I think a lot of Bible prophecy is yet to be fulfilled um, and I think a lot of it's going to be fulfilled one year, one day, one season, one time during the fall feasts. Right now, we are in the the mid, in the the seventh month of the Hebrew year. Uh, Yom Teruah, the day the the blowing of trumpets, feast of trumpets is is already here upon us. Soon, um, atonement will be here, and then after that, the feast of tabernacles. And I I just believe in the a lot of the typology of these feasts that will one day uh, be a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. You know, Jesus Christ uh, died on Passover. He was buried on first fruits. Or excuse me, he was buried on unleavened bread and he rose again on first fruits and then he sent the spirit on the on the day of Pentecost. Well, how has he fulfilled trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles? And I, how I think that will be fulfilled in the future. Now, this is just speculation. But I think the blowing of trumpets will be when the Lord descends from heaven himself with the voice of an archangel and a trumpet. 
and calls up his people unto himself. Atonement will then be the uh, tribulation, and then tabernacles will be the setting up of his millennial kingdom here upon the earth. That's that's what I think. That's what I teach. But I don't know. It's just this time of year going into the fall. I just uh, Bible prophecy has is, is been on my mind ever since I was a kid. And I discovered a few things, really revelations from God several years ago concerning the final empire that will arise in the earth just before the coming of the Lord. And I've seen a lot of details about this final empire all over through the Bible, but especially from the book of Daniel. Reading to you now from Daniel chapter 2, verse number 41. This is Daniel interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He says, Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mingled with ceramic clay they will mingle with the seed of men but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay and in the days of these kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to another people it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever reading to you again verse 43 you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay they will mingle with the seed of men but they will not adhere to one another that is the first great vision of empires that would rise and fall and what would happen right before uh, the ultimate return of Christ to set up his kingdom on this earth and the vision from the Lord, the Spirit says, this final kingdom will be a mixture of iron and clay. It's described to look like two feet and ten toes. And it says a mixture, a mixture, a mingling. Really, it's a mingling of nations. A mingling and mixing of people. Okay? Something that I've noticed in Bible prophecy, especially when it comes to like the final kingdom, the end of days, God revealed uh, details about this to Enoch, to Noah, to Isaiah, to Ezekiel, Daniel, uh, many of the minor prophets, and of course, uh, John, the apostle. And you could see it happening throughout the Bible, this idea of nations mingling Nations coming together, strong and weak nations coming together. Uh, just for a few examples, we talk about John. You look at Revelation 13. What does he see come out of the sea? It's not just a single beast. It's a, it's a beast that has multiple characteristics, a lion, bear, and a leopard. In other words, mingled beasts that represent nations, mingled nations coming together. And then he sees another different beast, a two-horned beast coming up out of the earth, and that beast partners with the first beast so it's the coming together of two two entities multiple multiple nations coming together 
And then Revelation 17, you see uh, Mystery Babylon, the great harlot. She's riding on top of a scarlet-colored beast. It's the mingling and the bringing together of two evils. Yeah, then that beast turns and hates her and kills her and burns her. So, how I interpret this is that in the latter days, there's going to be a mingling of nations. Up until this this point in this time, nations would never intermingle with each other. Nations conquered other nations, and then another nation would rise. You see this happening in, in the uh, some of the other visions of Daniel. You had Egypt arise. Well, then Assyria arose and conquered Egypt. Then Babylon arose, conquered Assyria. Greece came, conquered the Bab- or excuse me, the Persians came, conquered Babylon. Greece came, conquered the Persians. Rome came and conquered the Greeks. There's always been this enmity, this great war between the West and the East. A great nation would be brought down by another nation. Well, in the latter days, there's not going to be any of that. It is rather going to be an intermingling of nations. That's what I think is going on. See, the West and the East hated each other. You know, you study the Crusades uh, during the Dark Ages, a horrible moment in, in history, but in some ways, it did a lot of good. I agreed with the Crusade Wars. I, sh- I sure did. I believed in everything that they were doing, and I would have gladly fought on the Crusade side. I sure would have. Yeah, if I, if I would have had to. Yeah, I believed in it. You just see the West and the East against each other. Well, not so much anymore. You know what I see happening? The East is intermingling with the West. Immigration. That's right. Muslims taking over European cities, mixing and mingling with them. The West and the East are uniting and becoming one. It's the godless, secular Western idea intermingling with Islam. That's what's going on. The West and the East are uniting. The West, the iron. That's the iron that that Daniel's uh, interpreted in Daniel 2. The iron is the West and the clay is the East. And you know what that word mingled means in Hebrew? I've checked it out. And I I don't usually bring a lot of Hebrew and Greek stuff to this podcast, but I am today. Mingle there in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word Arab. A-R-B, Arab, Arab. Literally translated, it is saying the Arabs will mingle with the iron and it will not work. That's right. That vision for multiculturalism, the East intermingling with the West, those ideologies, it will be strong and weak and it will not work. It will be brought down. It will be brought down. It'll collapse within itself. And ultimately, God will destroy that final empire. Looking deeper. I believe in the Antichrist. I believe in the man of sin. I believe in the beast arising. And many of the prophets foresaw him, the characteristics of him, what he would do. John did, Paul did, Jesus described false prophets. But I want to stay in the book of Daniel on over to um, Daniel chapter 11. 
verse number 36, it speaks about the Antichrist. He's called the king here. It says, then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every God, shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God. For he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place he shall honor a God of fortresses, and a God which his fathers did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign God, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. Oof. Antichrist, the man of sin, will exalt himself above God. It will be humanistic. You know, he'll come in with flatteries and lying wonders, it says in other places. I mean, he'll act like God, look like God. You know, after all the plagues, after all the horrible things that have happened, the world's going to look to some type of savior and he will be there. And who knows what he's going to do? I mean, he may uh, invent some kind of vaccine. <laughs> To end all the pestilence, all I, I just gained all the, the anti-vaxxers there, but I lost all the va <laughs> vaxxers. <laughs> I don't know, but he'll look like a hero. He will look like a hero. He will exalt himself, and people are going to believe him to be like a god. Very, very humanistic. Uh, no desire for women. Uh, some have said that uh, he'll be a sexist. I don't think that's what it's saying there. Some have said that's abortion there. You know, the true desire for a woman is to have a baby. Now, I, I get it. Um, women want to be mothers. Yeah, and, and men want to be fathers. Okay. But if that was true, it would have been worded differently. It, it would have said it would, it would, they would come after, he would come after the, the, the children of the mothers. No, it says desire for women. Desire is a word for sexual passion. Okay. Just read the Bible for what it says. He doesn't desire women. What does that mean? He's going to be gay. He is going to be a homosexual. No desire for women. He'll be a homosexual. It says in their place. Okay, a place there. There, it's just an unnamed entity. But they have a place. A place of worship. A place of gathering. I believe that to be some Islamic mosque in the earth. A god of fortresses or a god of like militant power, a god of uh, advancing through militant might. Okay. Um, do you see right now Christians fighting physical earthly wars in the name of Jesus? No. Do you see uh, a militant, a Christian militant power? Raising up armies, men and women of war, to combat and fight? No, you don't. Not in the name of Christianity. Do you see it happening in amongst the Buddhist? No, you don't. What about Hindus? <laughs> Definitely not. But what about Muslims? What about Muslims? Yes, absolutely. Right now, right? <laughs> right in this current time and season, Taliban. They are militant about their Islam. Militant Muslims. 
Now, of course, not all Muslims are that way. Thank goodness. Some of them live here in my city, have, have restaurants and businesses, and they're delightful people. Delightful people. Okay, and they, and they don't, don't want to have anything to do with Taliban. So I, I agree, and I've said it before, I'm on record. I agree with what President Bush and so many have said. We're not at war with Islam. Everybody knows that. Everybody gets that. And there's uh, great people that have converted to Christianity that have Muslim family, good Muslim friends. You know, we need to dwell peaceably with them, and we need to love them as Christ would. But there is a fraction of Islam that wants to have nothing to do with being converted, but rather they want to kill and destroy and take over this world. And I believe what Antichrist is going to do, I believe he will be secular and probably going to arise out of Europe. I, I tend to lean that way. He will arise out of the West, but partner with the East. He will bring and mingle together the Eastern nations, probably, probably China too. And the only God he'll have anything to do with, I think, will be Allah, the God of fortresses. And he will go to the mosque, their place, and honor their God and use Islam uh, to accomplish things for himself and his kingdom in the earth. Uh, you think about this. Amer American military is strong. It is a force to be reckoned with, but we're not terrorists. I mean, we fight with rules of engagement. Uh, we fight, you know, with, with war. It's not terror. It's war. It's combat. It's in-your-face combat. The only group out there, the only nation, the only people out there that fight with terror without any rules, without any morals, is like Taliban, Al-Qaeda, the Jihad, the militant Muslims. Militant Muslims. That's how they fight. I mean, you think about this. You know, I, I was talking about COVID-19. It's bioterrorism is what it is. It is manufactured chemical warfare. Think about this. What if militant Islam right now, uh, the Taliban, whatever, somehow held America, got uh, President Biden on the phone and, and uh, said, uh, a sleeper cell here in America, got, got the president on the phone and said, we have uh, biological chemical weapons placed strategically in your major cities in America. And we demand right now that Israel de-occupies Palestinian territory. And if you don't force them, we're going to blow up every city. We're going to release uh, more viruses in America. Oof. You think that's possible? I do. I really do. I mean, we know what they're capable of. That's why this Afghanistan stuff is a absolute mess. It's a mess now, and it's a mess to what it can lead to. I, you know, I've been a, a big proponent of reading the news. I know some preachers teach, turn off the news. I say, oh, no, watch and pray. You need to watch and pray. That's the thing. News will never discourage you if you watch it with prayer. You keep prayer, the news and what you see will never, ever destroy your mind. I think we need to be informed, but the last few days I've kind of stepped away from it. I, I just can't take it anymore. I've just been praying. But what I've seen, just a little bit of news I've read, this takeover in Afghanistan, they are wanting to 
publicly pronounce and proclaim their new government on September 11th. I mean, you talk about trying to rub salt into a wound, but that is a definite statement. I'm, t- I'm telling you, but they they uh, apparently are the proponents of peace. Yeah, uh, de- really what it is is destruction under the guise of peace. So, uh, J- John the Apostle said, uh, the spirit of Antichrist is in the earth. Now, the man of sin hasn't emerged. We don't know who he is, where he is. He could have been born. He could be a, he could be a future clone. <laughs> How about that? We were talking about Star Wars earlier, the clone army. Yeah, cloning, that's coming. I actually had a crazy dream. We were talking about dreams. While I was in Bible college, I had a crazy dream that Antichrist was a homosexual and he committed mass genocide of all the women in the earth, completely killed every woman and only cloned men and every man was gay. Kept cloning men, partners for each other. That's how he populated the earth was through a gay cloning. Oh my God, is it possible? <laughs> oh, only God knows. This world is crazy. That is why us spirit-filled believers should not love this world or anything in it because this world is garbage. But sadly, during COVID-19, I mean, it exposed a lot of things. The people who wanted to be spiritual were spiritual. The people that wanted to be carnal were carnal. And I've heard just heard horrible stories of backsliding. People that we thought were loyal and faithful have walked away from God and taken many of them with them. Uh, there's a news article, a link floating around social media, and it's entitled a cult, quote unquote, survivor reveals strict rules she lived by for eight years, including not cutting hair <laughs> and always wearing dresses. I guess that's a cult nowadays. If you can't cut your hair and, you, and girls have to wear a dress, that's a cult, 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 cult. But uh, being a part of uh, the LGBTQ movement where you have to have your hair dyed purple and you have to wear guys' baggy pants, <laughs> that's not a cult. Oh, that's freedom, right? But, yeah, I mean, this, uh, I debated whether or not to talk about this, but everything in me said, bring it up, talk about it. That's what this podcast is for, so we're going to talk about it. Okay, it's, it's the story about it of a UPCI youth group boy named Alan who flirted and converted a high school friend of his named Abby. They got married, served the Lord and their church, but have left because of a newfound freedom. The article says that Abby was lost after graduating high school in 2008. After walking away from a serious car crash and her parents' devastating divorce, a breakup and running with the wrong crowd. Yeah, that'll make you feel lost for sure. Abby, now at age 31, told Newsweek, she said, I was an ideal target for a cult. My family was in shambles from the separation and divorce, and I was experiencing a massive life change after graduating and becoming an adult. The church came, and they gave me family and stability. 
They showed me so much love and kindness in the beginning. The youth group girls would invite me over to their sleepovers. I was welcomed into their church and their choir, and I started to help out with cleaning the church every week. They slowly pull you in. They learn your weaknesses and exploit them. And once they learned I needed family and stability, they provided it in spades, sucking me in. Hmm. She further says, Christianity in general is pretty heavy on purity culture. You got that right. And this church was no exception. Some couples would choose to not even kiss until their wedding day. We chose to maintain purity and not engage in sexual intercourse until the night of our wedding. This, of course, brings its own set of challenges into a relationship and a lot of undue stress on the wedding night. The church expects couples to not lust after each other, not learn their own bodies and do the big M. That's what I call it. Or each other's bodies. But then you're also taught that marriage will bring you this deeply fulfilling and romantic new level to your relationship once you finally consummate. Talk about pressure. Mm-hmm. In a way, I feel like I've traveled back in time to who I was in 2008 and picking up my life back from there. The 2008, Abby was into wearing band tees and dyeing her hair crazy colors and wanted a bunch of tattoos and piercings. I've been able to make my dreams come true. My dreams come true. I now have three tattoos. My double helix piercing and my nose pierced. Freedom, freedom, freedom. And I have the freedom to form my own opinions as well. I came out as a bisexual in 2018. And that is simply something I had briefly given thought to in high school but joining the church and hearing their anti-LGBTQ rhetoric for eight years caused me to suppress that beautiful part of myself for a long time. I would have left so much sooner if I could have. I wish I could have told the Abby in 2014 who started questioning everything, leave now, leave now. But I know I needed the time to be sure of my decision or better yet, I would have never joined if at all possible, having been in a cult and survived, I am honestly grateful. I have so much appreciation for the beauty in the world. Hmm. She later on goes on to make a pull for other people to leave the United Pentecostal Church. Wow. You know, in reading, in reading this, I, I kind of felt sorry for her. But after looking at the pictures and the wording, I'm like, this is headed... Uh, towards something gay and sure enough at the end of it yep she's gay i i just could feel it could see it knew where this was going this is not about a cult this is about somebody wanting to be gay that is all really this article is about it's nothing it's it's garbage <laughs> that's really what this is all about a girl who just simply wanted to be gay and she knew if she's going to be gay a bisexual she can't be in the apostolic church i mean I mean, I could leave it right there, but I think I'm going to go on. Okay, what is wrong with a church offering family instability? Why is that such a bad thing? There was no ulterior motive here at all for this girl in this church. This church has simply loved, loved this girl. This girl who grew up in the world who was broken, her life was shattered. You know what? They showed her the love of Christ. Why is that such a bad thing? Why is church love and acceptance cultish? 
I, I don't get it. It, it. It's a lie of the uh, of the devil in hysteria coming uh, from perverted people. That's what it is. That family instability that the church gave her is the best support system she has ever had. I guarantee it. Yeah, and she threw it all away, walked away from it all to be gay. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost wasn't good enough for her. And the love and support of her pastor, the pastor's wife, the youth group, the church, all her friends, they just weren't good enough. And the hope of heaven wasn't good enough for Abby and her husband, Alan. Uh, but they would rather be gay and have the piercings and the t- all that stuff. Okay? Why is it does it seem like, and I'm talking to the church people now, why does it seem like as a church the people that we seem to help the most, those people... <clears throat> oftentimes end up leaving and causing the most trouble and become the most sickest of revilers against the church. That's what this girl is doing, this Abby girl. And I tell you, the the most tragic part of it all, and why I'm even talking about this, it's not because she's speaking for herself. Oh, no, she's speaking for everybody. It's like she's saying, everybody, if you're in the UPCI, you're in a cult, get out. I'm in the UPCI, that's why I'm speaking up about this. I know you're probably saying, oh, Brother Justin, how dare you turn your microphone off and intercede for her soul? Uh, Well, let me tell you something deeper about this. Let me tell you something deeper. This goes just deeper than just a little girl trying to have fun, you know, and kind of be kind of a prodigal. Oh, no, it is much deeper than that. Let me tell you. I mean, you read your Bible in 2 Peter chapter number 2 that in the last days there are going to be false teachers arise. The, the spirit of deception, and that's what I feel here. It is deception to lead people astray that the United Pentecostal Church is a cult and the LGBTQ is the greatest organization of freedom, love, and acceptance and the overall a movement of progression in this earth. That is false prophecy. That is false teaching. That is what is being said here. Uh, you know about uh, let's pray her back through okay i get it she's broken and i hope she comes back and she might and she might i hope i hope she does i hope her and her husband do and and all maybe her bisexual friends they need to repent they need to be saved i'm like jesus i'm not willing that any should perish but i also do what the bible says and that is cast down every vain philosophical argument and that's what i'm doing here you know when somebody I've seen a lot of backsliders pray through in my time, but people who begin to revile against it, you know what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 6? It is impossible to renew those people to repentance. You can't do it. Only the darkness of this world and the pain and suffering of maybe loss and stuff that happens in this earth, like the prodigal son, you know, the pig pen there. That's the only thing that could bring them back. It's not the love of the church. The love of the church really rarely ever wins backsliders. You know what it does? The pain of this world, suffering of this world, that's what wins, wins them back. It's impossible to renew them again to, uh, to repentance, the Bible says in Hebrews 6. Think about what also John said, First John chapter 2. They went out from us, and they went out from us because they were never a part of us. And I think that's what, what applies here in this situation. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for this church. No telling how much they invested. Obviously, a lot of time and probably some money to help her out. I don't know. But I'd venture to say, yeah, that probably happened. 
And I think a lot of churches are starting to really consider and rethink what they do to help people out. Because I think a lot of churches are doing good until they find out they have been done. And people are taking advantage of Christian charity only to betray them, just like Judas. Mm. I, I don't know what's going on in this girl's head. Obviously a broken person. I mean, think of it. She's married. Her husband reached out to her. And, and yeah, they're calling it the flirt to convert, whatever. I don't know. I could, I'd like to think he laid his hand on her head and prayed her through to the Holy Ghost in that church. And then they fell in love. And you know what? Those were some good boundaries for that church to have. No, uh, no fornicating before marriage. Uh, you you want to know why? Because the Bible forbids it. It's about pleasing God. That's not bondage. That's a, the blessing that comes from obeying the laws of God. But since she's been married and left the church, she has come out as a full-blown bisexual. How insulting is that to her husband? Of course, I don't know. Maybe he likes it. Maybe it's a turn-on to him. And if it is, it's probably because he's into porn. That, that is filthy. There are men out there that are turned on by having a bisexual wife. It's, they want that. You know, their love together is not enough. Oh, no, we got to have uh, some girl from some hookup site come over to the house and have a good time, right? And what is all that stuff about uh, pressure on the wedding night? <laughs> you know, what? let me tell you this. God wants it to be awkward on your wedding night. He don't want you to go into it experienced. He wants you to become experienced together as a husband and wife. You don't need to go into it like a pro. This idea in the world that you need to test drive the car and become prepared and good enough for it, that is not how that works. Oh, no, it is growing together in the intimacy of being a husband and wife in marriage. There's no awkward pressure. That comes from porn. That comes from the filth of this world. That comes from LGBTQ. That's what they say. Have pleasure. Do the big M. Have pleasure. Here's porn. There's porn. Have it. Here it is. Sleep with whoever. Experiment. Get to know about it. Become an expert in sex. You know, move in together. Sleep around. You know, then finally pop the question. Ugh. Well, that's the way of this world, you know. And what about all this? The tattoos and the piercing and the hair dye. You know it had to go there. Isn't it something that the LGBTQ community, they love tattoos and they love piercings and, oh, they love that, that fried purple hair, that, like, that bluish hair. Why do they like that? Well, that's how you're supposed to look. That's their outward identity. You want to know why? Because clothing speaks and it sends a message. Tattoos, piercing, and hair dye. What is the, the oneness apostolic movement preached against all these decades? Those three things. You want to know why? Because we know what it identifies with. That's right. You drive down the street. What do you see? Tattoos and piercings. And you look to the left. What do you see? Alcohol and vaping. They all go together. It's all a part of the, the intermingling of sin. I don't, I don't understand why, why these like cool emergent preachers are up there, whatever, with tattoos up their neck. You know, if they're talking about the cross and stuff, and, and I mean, they, they look like they're gay. They want to be gay. They got the, the tight pants, the sexy hair, the sexy jacket, all that. They look gay. They want to be gay. And, that, and the high-heeled shoes. You know, it, it looks like the, 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 the Hillsong dude last year. I, I can't from, I forget his name. Uh, came, came out. He was a, a pervert. 
I mean, this stuff, the way of the world, I think it's bondage. I think it leads to destruction. But that's right. Uh, she'd rather have a, a tattoo, you know, than Jesus. Rather would have piercings than the power of the Holy Ghost. I'd rather would have her hair dye than the blessing of God upon her marriage. She'd rather be bisexual than uh, live the way God designed it. Marriage between a husband and wife. Mm. And she's got an agenda to lead others astray. Man, them backsliders, they love them tattoos, piercings, and dyed hair, don't they? They sure do. Man. It's time to pray. It's time to get consecrated. It is time to humble ourselves and repent. Okay, I, I know she's freshly backslid, cut her hair, doing all this and that. All right, I'd like to know if uh, Newsweek will interview this girl eight years from now. Let's see where she's at. Let's see what she's accomplished and done. Let's see what her life is, is happening there. Because let me tell you what, God is disappointed. And he's going to take his hand of blessing off this couple and let the devil have his way. And oh, the devil wants to have his way. That's right. I don't know who her family is whoever they are who knows they may be backslide backslid i don't i don't know that happens it's happening now entire like families are being backslid right now in churches it's just crazy the devil has not social distanced himself from anybody mm. protect yourself guard yourself serve the lord get on the spiritual side get on the bible side get on the god side get on the church side that's how you're going to make it this world is dark. This world is going to hell, and you know what? It can go to hell by itself. I'm Justin C. Gleason. I love you. God bless you.